hearted. Maybe someone has a Bible memory verse. Anybody want to try that out? Joyce. Amen. All right. And that was our memory verse on page 9. You don't have to use that verse uh, when you share a memory verse with us, but that was today's verse. Anyone else? Janie. All right. Amen. All right. Jody. Galatians 5.1, I think it is. Yeah, good, good. That was the verse that we had with the uh, Sturgis meeting. Good. All right, anybody else? All right, well, we got three today, and uh, so I'm going to give out my chocolates to uh, my, my Bible memorizers and give one to this lady here. It's not just chocolate. You can dig through there and find something else. All right, and... Uh, We're going to be in Hebrews 11 for a minute. We're also going to be in Genesis chapter 4 and 5. So let's get there. And I've got this chart up on the screen to help us visualize something in a minute as we talk about a man named Enoch. And um, not a lot in there, but there's enough for us to gain some interesting insight. Hebrews 11 verse 5. We finished up with verse 4 and talking about Abel. Now verse 5 says, but by faith... Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we come to the amazing account of a man named Enoch who walked with God. The Bible says that one day, while Enoch was walking with God, he was translated. He did not see death because he was translated. In other words, he didn't die. He just kept walking. Somebody said God and Enoch would walk every day. And finally, one day, God said, you know, you're closer to my house than yours. Let's just have you come home with me. And he just walked right into heaven with God. Don't know how else to say it than that. And uh, we... uh, we see an interesting story here. Now we go to Genesis chapter 4 and 5 and we see something else. And I'm going to read that with, with you here. Genesis chapter 4 and chapter 5. The end of Genesis chapter 4. And then jumping into chapter 5. And we, and we talked about Cain and Abel last week. The first two sons of Adam and Eve. But they weren't the only sons of Adam and Eve. It says at the end of chapter 4, verse 25. And Adam knew his wife again. And she bare a son and called his name Seth. For God said she hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel whom Cain slew. Remember God had promised that through Eve's seed would come Christ one day. And so it would be through the line of Seth now that Abel was killed. And uh, it says in verse 26, And to Seth, to him also 
there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. We're going to read chapter 5 here in a minute. We're going to start reading. But I want you to see this chart behind me because you'll notice you've got Adam, and it's kind of blurry. I'm sorry. The next name is Seth, all right, because Abel's gone. And you have this lineage that goes all the way down to Abraham, and it's cut off at the bottom of the screen. But these are the names, and what we're going to read, and this is hard for us to read, uh, to believe, but this is the truth, and this look at chapter 5, verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. This is where this chart comes from. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam. In the day when they were created, and Adam lived in hundred and thirty years, and begat a son in his own likeness after his image, and called his name Seth. And the days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were 800 years, and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. And Seth lived in 105 years, and begat Enos. And Seth lived after he begat Enos 807 years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. And Enos lived 30 uh, 90 years and begat Canaan and Enos lived after he begat Canaan 815 years begat sons and daughters all the days of Enos were 905 years and he died Canaan lived 70 years and begat Mahaliel and Canaan lived after he begat Mahaliel 840 years and begat sons and daughters and all the days of Canaan lived were 910 years and he died Mahaliel lived 65 years and begat Gerald and on and on it goes it says here in uh, verse Number 15, begat Jared, and Mahaliel lived after he begat Jared 830 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Mahaliel were 890 and five years, and he died. And Jared lived in 160 and two years, and he begat Enoch. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch 800 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were 960 and two years, and he died. And Enoch lived 60 and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah. 300 years and begat sons and daughters and all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years and Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him and so that's who we're talking about today is Enoch but when you read these years you think to yourself oh that can't be right that just can't be right there must be a mistake something must be wrong there's no mistake and there's nothing wrong this is exactly what the Bible says and I don't want to get off on this too much because it's a rabbit trail from our main topic today. But you'll notice all these men, starting with Adam, 930 years. And of course, Adam, he was a grown man when he started. Uh, but 930 years, and then Seth, 900 and some years, and all these different years, and most of them are over 900. And then you've got this Enoch, only 365 years. Why? Because his life was cut short, or you could say he just stopped living on earth and started living in heaven instead and you get all the way down to Noah a man by the name of Noah well we know what Noah is all about the ark and this line this solid line is the flood and what's interesting is when you read the Bible you'll notice that after the flood Genesis 6 7 8 9 after the flood the ages started to drop off real quick so obviously the flood changed our environment our climate and our environment is not the original creation the way things are now in fact the first mention of winter and snow is after the flood and so 
we, we have a different world, a wrecked world. It's kind of like when you have a wrecked or a totaled vehicle. Last year, I had a deer run out in front of me, and they totaled my truck. My truck still ran pretty good, but the fender was all twisted into the tire and stuff like that, and they said it was totaled. Well, I banged out the dents. I got a new fender, and I'm still driving it. But my truck is not in original condition that Toyota made it. And I can't blame Toyota if I have something bent here or there. Just like we can't blame God for the way our creation is now. Because it was flooded. That's why you have the upheaval of the rocks and you have bad lands. Lands that aren't good for anything other than tourism. And, uh, and so that's what happened. So when the flood came, it changed this longevity. All right. Also, the word dinosaur means terrible lizard. And a lizard will keep growing as long as it's living. So if men lived 900 and some years, how long did the lizards live? And if the lizards lived 900 years, how big did they get? All right. If that interests you, there's a whole video series in our library about creation versus evolution. Very interesting stuff. But in the middle of this longevity chart where you have 900 and some years, all these guys, Methuselah, 969 years old, Enoch's son. And when he died, the flood, the year that he died, the flood came. 969 years. Oh, that's just hard to believe. So what modern scholars said and modern scholarship and modern, you know, today's world that doesn't really believe God's word is God's word, they said that's, right, that's not really years. What the Bible meant was months instead of years. And so 969 months, that's what it was. It wasn't years. They just used a different word back then. And somebody else said, that is really incredible because that means that Enoch had a child when he was five and a half years old, right? So no, just take the Bible at its, at its face value. Take the Bible at its word. What God said, trust it and believe it. So I'm gonna leave that up there because it's just good for us to think about and I'll reference it again. We meet this man, Enoch. The Bible says that Enoch walked with God. No doubt he heard wonderful things about creation, about God, and about what happened to the human race. Now, think about this. And this is why this chart is valuable because this chart helps us to realize something. Do you realize that Enoch could talk to Adam? See the overlap? In fact, just about everybody knew Adam except for Noah. Because when you overlay, when, when, when they're living to be not, sunny back in the day, let me tell you how it was. I mean, Adam could have told Enoch, my wife and I used to have a beautiful place called Eden until she ate me out of house and home. No, I don't know. But, but the point is, is that the knowledge People wonder about the pyramids. How did they build those things? They, today, they can't figure out how they built the pyramids, even today. And you know what? When you live to be 900 years old, I mean, I look at Delmer. He's just now figuring things out in life, right? When you get to be a certain age, you, you know stuff, but now you're too tired. You're wearing out. But imagine if you live. I would imagine that they didn't live 800 of those years going like this. <laughs> No, I, I imagine everything was real slow aging, you know? So, so Enoch could have known Adam, probably did. 
I would imagine, it was his great-great-grandfather, Enoch would have known, and, and Noah would have been the only one that wouldn't have personally known Adam, and yet Noah would have known everybody else that knew Adam. And so the understanding and the knowledge of things would have been much different. I mean, sometimes you and I, we doubt, we doubt our own American history, and it's only 200 years old. But imagine if George Washington and Ben Franklin were still around. We'd, well, things would be a lot different. But anyway, uh, this, is, this is what we see. Now, God translated Enoch to be with him. And uh, one truth we understand from this story is that God has more for his children in the future. And Enoch represents for us an entire generation of believers who are going to be living and one day be translated to heaven. And people refer to something called the rapture. And there there is coming a day when God's people will be taken home without dying a physical death. It says that in 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now, I just want to say be careful not to take too much... uh, typology from Enoch because the Bible does not actually say that Enoch represents the rapture but I think we can help it helps us to understand that one day God is going to call his people home just like he called Enoch home first Thessalonians chapter 4 it says in verse number 16 for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel with the trump of God the dead in Christ shall rise first the dead who are in the grave the bodies, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So there is coming a day when the the still living on earth, when Christ returns, will just be uh, taken away and translated as you, as if it were uh, Enoch's translation. And then First Corinthians chapter fifteen is another passage that talks about that. First Corinthians fifteen and uh, verse uh, fifty one. Of First Corinthians 15, Behold, I show you, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. And the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. We shall be changed. And so, there again, you have this understanding that the dead in Christ will rise, and we who are alive will also be caught up to be with the Lord, and just as He did it for Enoch. And oh, by the way, in Second Kings 2:11, He did it for Elijah. Elijah stood there with Elisha and all of a sudden the chariots of fire from heaven came down, picked up Elijah and took him to heaven in a whirlwind. And, uh, and he was taken without dying. That's an interesting thing. Those two men in the Bible uh, are, as of right now, the only ones who, technically speaking, never died. They just went to heaven without a physical death. So on page 10, we're going to see three points today concerning Enoch in his life Enoch and I would say just be careful that you don't allow people to take too much from Enoch in the rapture because when Jesus was asked uh, about about the return of Christ when Jesus was asked about the end of the world and his coming Jesus did not mention Enoch he mentioned Noah and Lot and I think biblically speaking that's more technical and we should be following and looking at that more closely but let's look at these three points today on page 10 Enoch pleased God. What a great epitaph. If you could have anything written on your tombstone, Enoch pleased God. Problem is, Enoch didn't have a tombstone, so he couldn't write it on there. It's in the Bible instead. He, before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And verse 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. 
This was a man who pleased the Lord. It reveals the secret, uh, and it reveals to us how he, he pleased him by faith. And when you believe God, it's a blessing to God. Abel believed God, and it cost him his life, but he pleased God as well. And in verse 6, it stops after talking about Abel and Enoch and says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. It doesn't matter then if people are very religious and do a lot of things for God, as I think Cain. I mean, remember, Cain brought fruits and vegetables to God, but it didn't please God because he didn't have faith in God's way. He didn't have faith in the lamb, the blood of the lamb, the sacrifice of an animal. He didn't have faith in that, and it's faith that pleases God. Many people are engaged in religious activity. Many are attending church, and many have been called Christians, but they are not pleasing God because they are not living the faith life. Faith is what pleases God, not religious activity. It's interesting, as it says there in our booklet, Many have been called Christians. Many people think they are Christians. But if you read the, the word Christian, it's in the book of Acts. And the word Christian is the very concept of Christ-like and following Christ and being a disciple of Christ and uh, reminding people of Christ with your life. Uh, there are so many people that think of themselves as Christians uh, when they're not truly born again themselves and don't know Christ as their Savior. So when you see the statistics given in a secular venue, uh, this country is 90% Christian. No, 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 not, not possible. Um, 90% recognizing Jesus Christ, but also following something else. You see, if a person is a... Let me just use Catholicism, all right? Catholicism for a minute. If a person is a Catholic, they recognize Jesus Christ in a respectful way. But they're not technically, according to the word of God, true Christians because without even knowing it in a lot of cases, their faith is in a baptism or their faith is in a church or their faith is in the sacraments of the church and things like that. The other day I was in a hospital room with our friend who was dying and a lady came in that I didn't remember, but um, she came in and, and she was a friend of our friend who was passing away, Cassandra. And she said, oh, she said, I came to, um, I think it was Tom's funeral, Tom Yurek's funeral. She said, I came to Tom Yurek's funeral and I, I remember you. And, and she said, when I came, she said, you know, she said, I'm Catholic. And she said, I'm Christian. Uh, but my son and I, we walked in, and my son didn't want to go in. He said, Mom, I can't go in there. I'm Christian. They're Baptist. That's the way people think, okay? I remember our friend Paul, and uh, same thing. He said, you know, you, you guys invited me to church. I think it was Jeff and Robin invited me to church. And I drove up, and I looked at the sign. Oh, Baptist, I can't go in there. And he, he turned around and drove away said but then you know a week or two later I came back and I actually walked in um, th there's a lot of brainwashing of what Christian is um, and I do technically I mean technically according to the word of God we know it's a very smaller minority than what they say but I do appreciate the fact that there are people who at least respect Christianity you know what I mean 
But we've gotten so brainwashed that we think that they're Christians just because they have a respect uh, for Jesus Christ. Uh, but a lot of them don't know him, don't truly understand what salvation is. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Um, and so if you're not leaving a faith life, you're not or living a faith life, you're not truly trusting him as your savior, you can be like Cain. Was Cain offering Satan worship? No. Cain was offering fruits and vegetables to God, but he was not, he was ignoring what? The lamb. He was ignoring the sacrifice of an atonement, the blood of an innocent creature. He was ignoring that part. And that wasn't faith, and it's faith that pleases God. Uh, whatsoever is not of faith is sin, it says in Romans chapter 14, verse 23. No one gets to heaven, no one walks with God unless they have faith. And it isn't just faith, generically speaking, but faith in him and faith in his word. Amos 3.3 3 says, can two walk together unless they are agreed? You know, walking is something, when you walk with somebody, do you just walk with somebody? No. There's walking, and what usually goes with walking? When you're walking with someone, you're usually talking. Years ago, my wife would call Joyce and Karen the walkie-talkies because they would go walking together. But she called them the walkie-talkies because they didn't just walk. They also talked. And that's exactly the point here is that Enoch walked with God, and he talked with God. They communed together as they walked. That's the idea. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. In verse 1, And you hath he quickened, that means made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the lust of the, our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in his mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together, made us alive together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Notice verse 2 says, You used to walk according to this world. But now in verse 10, now that you're saved, you're ordained to walk in the way God would have you to walk. So when you are a believer, it changes your walk. Unbelievers have no desire to walk with God. That's just a foreign concept. But if you're a believer, there's something in you, the Holy Spirit of God, that reminds you and prods you to know that you should have a walk with God. And Enoch pleased God because he walked with God. Not only that, though, secondly, Enoch passed over. What does that mean? Well, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. That word translate means to carry over, to bear up over. God translated him. He carried Enoch over. In Colossians 1, verse 13, and John 5, 24, we'll go there in just a minute. It says, we learn that we have been translated from the kingdom of death and darkness to God's kingdom of light and life. Because Christ died for us on the cross and was buried and rose from the dead, death no longer holds dominion over him. 
the power of death has been broken by the Lord Jesus. You see, once Adam sinned, and I'm going to read you Romans chapter 5 in just a second here. I'm going to read verses 12 and verse 19. Romans 5 verse 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Verse 19 says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one many shall be made righteous. So these were not the only people that lived back then. Remember Cain and his lineage, whatever that was. But this was the godly lineage that were following God. And I'm sure Adam said to all of his descendants, listen, I blew it because of me and because of your mother. We are the reason why death. And, and, and even though funerals were only happening every 900 years or so, they still had lousy funerals like everybody else because it was death. And unless they had belief in Christ and belief in God, they did not have hope. And so I'm sure Adam and Eve said, it's our fault. Death is our fault. And they passed that idea on to their children. And and they helped them understand the world's getting darker. In fact, it was getting so dark that by the time you get to Genesis chapter 6, it says God looked down and saw the world was just wicked. That's why he had to flood the world. Because the, the majority was evil and selfish. Top of page 11. It says, By faith in Christ we have been translated from the kingdom of death into the kingdom of God's dear son. Enoch's translation is a beautiful illustration of God's miraculous work in us already. See, we, we probably read Enoch thinking, man, that'd be awesome if we could be translated like, like that. Well, in a sense, if you're saved, you already are. You have been made brand new. Now let's look at the passages to show you that. Let's go first of all to Colossians. And then John chapter 5. Colossians. Verse 1 verse 13. Colossians 1 13. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. And hath translated us. Into the kingdom. Of his dear son. As far as God's concerned. You're like Enoch already. You're already as good as being in heaven already. You say, Pastor, I don't feel like I'm in heaven right now. Well, I know, our, our, our human nature, our flesh doesn't feel it. But as far as, it's as good as done. It's like, it's like someone said, I've got a reservation. Uh, my name's written down, it's there. John five twenty four. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath, you know why I like the old King James, hath doesn't mean gonna have. Hath means present tense. He that believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is not gonna be but is passed from death unto life. According to the Bible, you're already passed from death unto life. We're saying goodbye to our friend Cassandra but we're not saying goodbye. We're saying see you later. Her flesh is wearing out and she'll leave that body of hers soon. But you know what? She's already passed from death unto life. And we've talked about some of those things even last night when I was talking with her. you're, You're saved and it is certain. Satan can't have you. Being from a Catholic background, she still has some of that in her in her mind. And I said, No, it 
and I would read her from John how that uh, his sheep are his sheep and no man can pluck them out of his hand, his father's hand. And the idea that, well, when I die, then it's determined if I'm saved or not. No, no. When you're saved, you're saved now. It's permanent. It's done. It's complete. Notice, if you're in John, go up to John 11 and verse 25. John 11:25 says, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And so somebody said, a Christian said one time, preacher said, one of these days you're going to read my name in an obituary and it's going to tell you that I am dead. And he said, don't you believe it. I won't be dead. I'll be as alive as I've ever been in heaven. Remember what we read in Ephesians? I want to go back and show you something because we read it fast and you might not have noticed it. Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians 1 verse 20, it says that Christ was raised from the dead and is set at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly places. Well, we know that. We believe that. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. But did you see what Ephesians 2 said? Ephesians 2 said in verse 5, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. As far as God's concerned, you're, you're there too. It's what we were hearing this weekend at Sturgis. You're in Christ. There's always this guilt trip that Satan likes to play on us. You're a wicked person. My flesh is, my record is, but I'm in Christ as a believer. I'm in Christ and I'm a new creature, the Bible says. And in Christ, I'm already sitting in heavenly places. If Jesus is there, that's where I am. It's hard for us to understand that, but that's what the Bible's saying. If we believe this teaching that we have eternal life in Christ, we must have more than academic understanding of this. We must have such faith in God that we enjoy the invisible now and that we live victoriously with no threat of fear or death now. We, we, we understand that we are now already guaranteed. That's why we have Anchor Club. It says in Hebrews chapter 6 that Jesus is our forerunner and he is the anchor of our soul. That word forerunner sometimes gets lost in our understanding because we don't realize what it's saying there. But in the harbor along the Mediterranean Sea, they had, of course, tides. And if you know anything about ocean, tides make a huge difference. And, and so they had a forerunner. They had the big ship out further in the deep water and they'd have a smaller boat and the smaller boat would have the anchor in the boat, the big ship anchor. And they'd have this smaller boat rowing or whatever going into shoreline where it was low tide. And the smaller boat forerunner would take the anchor and into low tide drop the anchor into the harbor. He was the forerunner. And as far as they were concerned, that ship was as good as already in harbor because the anchor was in harbor. And once high tide came, it would be able to go in harbor. Guess what? That's what Jesus is called, the anchor of our soul. We're as good as harbored with him now. It can't be cut. It can't be lost. It's complete. 
chapter 3 of Ephesians, verse 20 says, And now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. We need to recognize that we have access to God because of Christ. He is our high priest, the mediator, and we can have confidence that we are eternal. And like I, I, I heard the, the, our teacher this weekend teaching us, those of us who went to that meeting, he said, when God looks at you, he forgives because he sees Jesus. You are forgiven in Christ, and the Bible teaches you to forgive others because of Christ, in Christ. And, and so when God looks at us and we say, oh, I can't pray for that because God knows what a mess I am. No, you can pray for that because God looks at his son. God's not looking at us. He's looking at his son. And as long as we are uh, walking with him and despite our past, we have access to God because of being in Christ. And the last place I want you to see is 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. There we have adoption into God's family. But now notice what verse 2 says. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doesn't say one day we'll be the sons of God. What does it say? You're saved you are now a child of God, right now. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be as human beings. It, it, we don't look like it. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Now, you're saved now. You are guaranteed eternal life now. You are, you are as good as there now. You are sitting in heavenly places with Christ, in Christ, now, because of Christ, you are considered now to be righteous. You are considered now to be saved. You are considered now to have eternal life. That's what we're, we're trying to say here. When you got saved, you passed from death unto life. As soon as you got born again, you passed from death unto life. And so in that sense, Enoch is a picture of ourselves. And then lastly, Enoch prophesied to his generation. The Bible says that Enoch preached it says in Jude, Jude, you don't go there very much. It's very small, just one page book. But in Jude, verse 14, and Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these things, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Enoch preached about the coming of the Lord. Enoch walked with God in a wicked world. Remember, Enoch's world was just before the flood and we know from Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 5 that God said it was a wicked world. That by the time of Noah, only Noah was left and his family was left that believed and followed God. So you can imagine just before the days of Noah, it was filthy. You know, we're getting there today. We're getting to that point. We're, that's why I believe Jesus said, as in the days of Noah and as in the days of Lot. Well, we know the days of Lot. That was Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and I'll just read it, but Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, 
This is exactly what it says without me paraphrasing it. Genesis 6, 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man. This is what led up to the flood. And we are seeing this today. But you know what Enoch did? He preached. Enoch didn't just sit at home and watch the news and say, oh, it's just terrible, it's just terrible. No, no, he preached and he warned people that judgment was coming. So even though Enoch was taken home early, Enoch was preparing them for the flood that was coming. In fact, someone said that Enoch's son's name, Methuselah, means when he dies, it will come. And Methuselah died and the flood came. Enoch should be an example to us. We need to continue to preach the coming of the Lord. That's the only hope now. I mean, temporarily, we might have elections in our country that will stop some things. But ultimately, our world is filthy. I don't think it made the news, and if it wasn't for someone who sent it to me personally, I don't, I'm, I wouldn't have known about it. But this summer in July, Prince Charles, who is now King Charles, presided over some kind of event. I think it was called Commonwealth something, and they had this huge stadium, people everywhere, and they brought in this bowl, this huge animated bowl. And all these people had some special crystal that was supposed to have come from some other planet. And they held up their crystal and they bowed to the bowl. It was, and, and he's standing there presiding over this whole thing. It, you can look this up. I'm telling you, people are willing to worship anything except for the true God. And that's the world we're in today. I saw another troubling video of a man who had overdosed on drugs in Portland, Oregon. And while he's laying there and he's just out of his mind, some other hopeless female creature was bent over him going through all of his pockets trying to find his money. And, and, he's, just, and he's so out of it, he doesn't even know what she's doing. And somebody's standing there videoing the whole thing. Okay, And probably she wants his money so she can go enjoy life like he is, laying there just walling around mindless. This is our country, okay? And we've got people who want to pretend to be female when they're male, and they want to go to libraries and read to children. Someone should ask the question, Never mind whether they have the right to read a book at a library. Why do they need to read it to children? And why do they need to dress up like that? What's going on here? We live in a filthy world. We live in a filthy world, okay? And so as in the days of Noah, Jesus said, and these are the days that Enoch lived, and he preached to his generation. We have to preach to our generation. We have to not be afraid, and we have to not pretend that it's not that bad. Now, we live in Custer, South Dakota, so we don't see all that. 
but it is a wicked world and it is coming. And Enoch walked with God in a wicked world. It wasn't a better world. It was a wicked world, but he still walked with God and he pleased God. I hope that you are someone that God says they please me. It's filthy all around them, but they please me. You know, Sturgis, South Dakota is known for certain things. But I was encouraged yesterday to see that there are people there who are walking with God. Just a block from the church is a business I can't name here. It makes company. But they're walking with God there at that church. And we need to remember them and pray for them. He prophesied for the Lord and told him about the coming of the Lord. He spoke up for his God in this wicked world. Why did he do that? Because he was a man of faith. Why is it that we do not do that? Well, if we don't do it, it's because we don't have faith like Enoch had. And so if you're saved, you should be walking with God, not with this world. You shouldn't be more in tune with talk radio than you are with talk with God didn't say you can't listen to talk radio but unfortunately we have more in tune with what's going on in this world from unbelievers than we do with God who knows what's really going on we need to learn to walk with God may God help us to walk by faith and tell others of our Lord's return that's the only hope that's the hope and by the way your only opportunity to exercise the faith if you're saved the only opportunity you have to exercise your faith is now when you die, you will not be using your faith anymore. Because when you die, it'll all be sight. It'll be complete. So it is now that we have opportunity to exercise our faith. It is now that we have opportunity to take the faith we have and use it for what God would have us to use it for. And, and of course, the only safety from the destruction that is coming is the Lord Jesus Christ. This world is, is headed to hell in a handbasket, as someone has said. Uh, the point of no return uh, is is coming soon. And, and um, you know that. I don't need to describe it anymore. You already know that. Well, let's close in prayer. We're done for our lesson today. We'll pick up next week, and we'll be in lesson three. In lesson three, uh, I believe we'll be talking about Noah and um, what a great story that one is as well, and uh, also the picture that we see there. Lord, Thank you for our opportunity to be in your word today. Just a few verses to describe Enoch, but verses that really help us to appreciate and to think about the world he was in comparable to the world we are in. Help us to be like Enoch. Help us to have that kind of a testimony, that kind of a witness and example that there is a person who walks with God. May that be said of us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.